This is Talk of the Town on Magic 590 AM, also heard on 100.5 FM. I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome the mayor of Albany, Kathy Sheehan. And our leadoff topic today will be new program or a new program and new training for the Albany police. What's happening there? Well, we have two really exciting things that are going on. The first is that we now have funding, thanks to the generosity of the Tui Family Foundation, to hire a program manager for a program that we announced back in June. It's called LEAD, or Law Enforcement Assisted Diversion. And what LEAD allows our officers to do is to use their discretion to divert people who are in need of mental health services, addiction services, social services, out of the criminal justice system and into the type of assistance that will actually aid them. And this is not a soft on crime. This is about stopping the craziness of using the criminal justice system to punish people instead of helping them have access to the services that they need. Now, Chief uh, Brendan Cox, in also uh, talking about this, did indicate, though, this concept runs counter to the way of thinking of law enforcement uh, traditionally. You know, you're breaking the law, you should be arrested. That's right. You know, when you look at what we ask our police officers to do and how they were trained, it was if you see somebody committing a criminal offense, then you arrest them and the system takes over. But what we know is that that is not helping to reduce the amount of crime that we see in our streets. It's not helping to create safer communities. What helps to create safer communities is finding people the services that they need to deal with addiction issues, to deal with mental health issues before the criminal justice system takes over. This is a program that was first started in Seattle, and Seattle has seen a 60% decrease in recidivism from individuals who have been diverted through their LEAD program. I mean, how does it work? What would be an example of this program or approach? An example that the chief gives is if an individual is encountered who has drugs that are found on them and who indicate that they have an issue with addiction. And the officer can say, if you are interested in a different path, pursuing counseling and being diverted and getting the ability to sit down one-on-one with somebody who can help get you into a program that will help you with your addiction, we can do that instead of arresting you right now. And it's still up to the individual. The individual may say, I don't want to sit down and talk Mm, to somebody. I don't have a problem. But it gives officers that ability. And then what this program requires and why we need to have a program manager is that it requires that we partner with and we have memorandums of understanding with the broader community-based organizations and other institutions that can actually help these individuals. And this is being funded by a grant from the TUI Foundation? That's right. The TUI Family Foundation, uh, which has been very generous in the city of Albany and beyond and is really focused on how, through their charitable giving, they can help to turn the needle on what we have, which is a very significant injustice that goes on. You know, it's not unique to Albany, but across the country where we have a gap in educational opportunity for young people of color and in our criminal justice system, just an inexplicable and really disgraceful, disproportionate impact in our jails and in our prisons of people of color. And simultaneously, as this was announced, the police chief says there'll be new training in bias reduction. That's right. You know, the bias reduction is an important component of this because when you give police officers discretion, it's really important that we train our police officers on their implicit biases. And we all have implicit biases, whether it's based on race or gender or sexual orientation or ethnicity, and they can cause us to act in ways that we are not even aware of. And 
There is study after study after study. It's not controversial. This isn't overt racism. But when people see young people of color, for example, they often grossly overestimate the age of young men of color. They might be looking at a 10, 11, or 12-year-old boy, but perceive that they're seeing a man. And so these are these implicit biases that can impact how we respond. And we need to make sure that we're training our officers to be aware of those biases so that they can step back from those because, again, we know through study that you can overcome these implicit biases and not have them impact your decision-making in a way that results in an unfair outcome or in a way that places yourself in a situation that might be dangerous. Also uh, going on in Albany, I don't believe it's actually a city program, but it's a, uh, in another community, a gun buyback is going on now with a well-known local uh, reverend who's involved in that. You know, anything that happens that takes guns off the streets of Albany is a good thing for the city of Albany. We have far too many illegal guns that are on our streets. Access to guns is too pervasive. We continue to have people pick up guns to solve problems that they're having to settle scores. And so any opportunity to reduce the supply of guns is great. But what we really need to work on is to reduce the demand for guns. When our young people are focused on their futures, when they're focused on their educations, when they're focused on their careers, they're far less likely to even think about picking up a gun. You're listening to Talk of the Town with Albany Mayor Kathy Sheehan. I'm Bob Cudmore. Our area now refers to itself as Tech Valley. I remember when that first came down the pike, it seemed really, but with all the different things that have happened here, such as the chip plant up in Malta and the uh, University at Albany expanding in this area. Well, anyway, recently, Albany itself, the city of Albany, was cited by Google as being among the top 50 e-cities in the nation. I know you're quite proud of that distinction. What does it mean? Well, I think this is phenomenal recognition, and to be one of the only 50 e-cities in the country... Google really goes through a process. They have an independent company that helps them to analyze websites and e-commerce and small and medium-sized businesses' use of the Internet to market themselves and to drive sales. And Albany topped the chart in New York State for our local small businesses' use of social media, of websites, of blogs to sell their goods and to promote what's happening here in the city of Albany. So I think it's really showing that while we have have massive mm-hmm. tech hubs here. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a small business community that certainly is benefiting from that, is becoming very tech savvy, and we're looking to build on that at the city level with our broadband study because we need to make sure we have the capacity. If our businesses are going to use technology, we have to make sure that we have competitive, fast internet access here in the city of Albany. So that's really what the city can do. We love the fact that our businesses are stepping up. We encourage them to do more, and then we're looking to partner partner with them to make sure that we have the speeds and the capacity to meet their demands. Mm. And th- this study was, was going on before this Google designation, I gather. And I mean, what could be the problem? Wouldn't all of Albany have access to uh, high-speed internet and so forth? Well, that's the challenge. All of Albany does not have access to the speeds that we really need to see in this tech economy that we're in. And so, first of all, it's identifying where are the gaps and what types of technologies can we implement and 
can we encourage in order to create really, really high speeds throughout the city? We have residential development that's going in downtown, and we have to fight to get Internet access to those buildings because, you know, there just isn't enough wire in the pipes to support that. We've been successful in accomplishing that, but we really need to step back and look at what investments need to be made, what investments do we need to be encouraging so that we have high-speed access to encourage business growth. Back to the businesses themselves. I mean, I think the designation from Google, or I get the impression that it is founded on small businesses using the Internet. Are the businesses starting and then using the Internet, or are these existing businesses that now have decided, oh, well, you know, maybe we can reach people through Twitter or something like that? That's a great question, and it's a combination. It's uh, businesses that are being started by people who understand the importance of social media in driving business, but then it's also businesses that are stepping back and looking looking at their profiles and recognizing that they need to get on that social media bandwagon. It is the way that information is being exchanged. You know, the city uses social media to communicate with college students about snow emergencies because we found that that's the most effective way because that's how young people are getting their information. So it's really encouraging businesses to tap into that and to recognize that that is how we can drive, people can drive business and really communicate. One of the perfect examples examples of this is Cider Belly Donuts. They really, that was where we had the press conference and their owner said, listen, I'm, you know, a 30-something or she might have even said 40-something, but she doesn't look like she could be a 40-something. Um, and she went to a conference three years ago on using social media and she just figured it out. It has been a really successful business model for them. Now, Albany is frequently in the, in the news and I'm always scouring uh, the media for questions to bring up on the program, but you had uh, an interesting comment. I heard it on the public radio station. And I've heard others bring this up, that with these politicians that are being convicted or in, in court on corruption charges, it's the frequent references made, well, this is Albany, Albany's problem. Not, of course, that city of Albany um, politics has always been squeaky clean, but you just want to set the record straight. They're not talking about the city of Albany or, or these uh, men who've been convicted or have not really represented the city of Albany. They work in Albany, which is the state capital. So I have a real problem with this for two reasons. One, we love the city of Albany. The people who live here, the residents who live here, live in a city that has diverse neighborhoods, that has unique architecture, that has wonderful cultural institutions, and we're proud of our city. This is not a cesspool. This is not a land of corruption. And that is what has been, you know, all of the commentary that have come out since the convictions of Skelos and, and, and Silver and all of the talk about corruption. But the other thing is that I think that it's more insidious than that, because if people or politicians or prognosticators just view this as an Albany problem, they sort of put it off in a corner. This is a New York state problem. This is a problem with New York state politics and how New York State does business. We need to all own it, every community. The politicians who've been convicted didn't come from the city of Albany. Mm -hmm. They came from other places. And so if you can just conveniently say that this is an Albany problem, then in somehow you divest yourself of responsibility. This is a New York State problem. Every voter in every district across the state needs to take ownership of it. And so for me, it's twofold, and it's really frustrating because it's seems that it has exploded over the last few weeks with these recent convictions. And I, quite frankly, as the mayor of this great, wonderful, warm, welcoming city, uh, am fed up. 
Okay. Well, I must say, I was out of state over the weekend, and uh, kind of a relative of mine said, well, what's this with Albany? I mean, that's how it's commonly referred to. I mean, the problems of, as you say, uh, Sheldon Silver and Dean Skelos, et cetera. And I will point out, the acts that allegedly that they allegedly engaged in or that they were convicted of engaged in didn't take place here. Really? <laughs> they they, they took place in New York City and in other places. So that's, you know, it's really, I think, giving people a cop-out to say that this is a problem that is unique to the Capitol. This is a New York State problem, and New York State needs to solve it. I'm Bob Cudmore. Our guest is the mayor of Albany, Kathy Sheehan, and we welcome uh, your questions for the mayor. Send them to this email address. We can get them on the air. Ask Kathy with a K at albanyny.gov. We have a couple of uh, questions this week, uh, Mayor. The first one, water has been pooling on my street. I think it was a clogged sewer. Who should I call to get that fixed? Anytime anybody sees water where they don't think it should be, they need to immediately call the water department. The dispatch number there is 434-5322. Again, it's 434-5322. That is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week dispatch center, and we will send someone out to check it out. Question number two, uh, you'll like at least the first part of this. I'm in favor of the new red light cameras in the city because there are times I'm walking and I just don't know whether the cars are going to run me down. But the constituent writes, my daughter, a new driver, has a question I wasn't sure about. Can you make a right on the corner if there's a red light camera there? The red light rules are the same for the red light cameras as they are for any intersection in the city. So if there's a sign that says no right on red and you take a right on the red, you're going to get a ticket. If there is no prohibition to a right on red, then you will not be issued a ticket. And interestingly, you know, this was something that a constituent had pointed out to us a few months ago about a legal right on red and it was triggering tickets. We fixed that and we have set this system up so that if you can legally turn right on red, then that is still permitted. And again, we do welcome uh, questions for the mayor. We'll repeat that email address at the end of the program. In your eloquent defense of uh, Albany City, you mentioned its architecture and there was a recent news story which was prompted by a citizen who is concerned about it because she lives in the neighborhood. And Albany landmark is St. Joseph's Church. It was a Roman Catholic church. Many uh, Roman Catholic churches have closed. This one was sold. Historic Albany Foundation, I believe, bought it, tried to sell it to a firm that wanted to make a brewery. The residents objected to that. So a lot of work has been done to shore up this church in Albany, but it's still vacant. What efforts are being made to try to get something in there that people will accept? Well, you know, the challenge with that building is the cost of rehabilitation and the way that it is laid out really creates some pretty significant challenges for what it could be converted to. And Historic Albany did a great job of trying to market it, trying to find a home, but the ownership of that building has since reverted back to the city. So I had been out visiting ITT, which is a technical college, and looking at the work that they did there and the capstone projects that their students do, and I asked them to come in and make this a capstone project. So there are a group of ITT students who are studying 
technical design and drawing, and we're working with our planning department to do a complete reevaluation of this building and provide us with some possible options that would be a good reuse of that building. So that process is moving along. They've been working on this all of this semester, and they're going to be working on it into next year. And we're really looking forward to their recommendations. And at that time, we'll get the Tenbrook neighborhood together and we'll review those results with them to talk about the future of that building and what will work in that neighborhood. I've seen this problem in other cities upstate. I mean, as many, in particular, Catholic churches have closed. I mean, part of the issue is, isn't it, that it's a church and that I don't know if that was part of the objection to the brewery, but people thought maybe that wasn't an appropriate use for a former a holy building. Is that one of the difficulties? And also it's unusual shape, if you will. I mean, it's a church. It's right. It's it's really the shape and the layout of it. There are some churches that lend themselves really easily to residential conversions, for example, but this structure poses some challenges. And so we're hoping that those creative ITT students will come up with some creative options and opportunities for that building. Also, maybe on the subject of religion, to some extent, Reverend Zachary McKay has been in the news. He had $800 in parking tickets. He says that as he and his wife are disabled, his belief was there should have been parking allowed in front of their apartment on North Pearl Street. The police and the courts have been involved on this. I've gathered the meters themselves, the parking meters where the uh, Reverend McKay lives, have been removed and his fines have been cut down to under $500. $459 is what I have here, but he's still not uh, satisfied with that. He says this was ridiculous to have meters there in the first place. Well, I think that this demonstrates the importance of picking up the phone and making a call because as soon as the police were alerted to um, Reverend Mackey's challenge, we acted immediately to get that done. But those tickets had been allowed to ratchet up. If you don't like something, you need to call us and tell us, not just decide that you're going to continue to you know rack up violations without having a conversation. So we've really worked with Reverend Mackey. The Parking Violations Bureau has reduced those tickets to $459. We've provided him with free parking because of his disability. And that's what happens when um, our residents reach out to them. We're willing to work with them. Unfortunately, prior to him reaching out to us and prior to us, he didn't, actually, we became aware of it and proactively reached out to him. He had already racked up some pretty significant fines. But this is the resolution that has been reached. A lot of people have worked really hard, the police, the courts, and the Parking Violations Bureau to get to this resolution. Is there a general rule here now about having a disability and parking? I mean, parking is such a desirable commodity, and mm-hmm. if you're disabled, or and I presume you'd have to show that in some way, you can get free, or not free parking. Well, I guess it is free. You know, you, you pay a permit, but you you they can take a meter away from in front of your Right. We're willing residence. to work with people to find a, the, what works best for them. So this is a residential property that is in a commercial district. But, you know, as is demonstrated with this situation, we worked with Reverend Mackey and we worked with the parking authority to find a resolution here. Also uh, in the news this past week, a man named Leo Dean passed away, who I believe a native of Albany uh, may have lived in the, in the suburbs, very active in, uh, in city, uh, city affairs. 
Yes, he was uh, an Albany resident, and he was a founding member of the Albany Water Board. He served on the Albany Port District Commission. Really a very sad loss, but I think if you look at his life and his enthusiasm for life and his, you know, really how he has embraced it and reached out and had this wonderful social network, uh, that he really can serve as an inspiration to, to all of us. Well, what I noted was that he took up skydiving when he was 74. Yes. So, as I said, an inspiration to all of us. Last time uh, you were on, we spent time talking about uh, fires that have made a number of people homeless in Albany. And there was a big uh, fundraiser December 10th for the victims of the Park Street fire. That's right. And actually, that fundraiser was for the victims of all of the fires. And it was a wonderful opportunity for you to get some of the best fried chicken and macaroni and cheese and ribs that you could ever taste. And the community really came together. So there have been significant donations. The Center Square neighborhood raised a significant amount of money. Two neighborhood associations each contributed $500, and then at their holiday party raised hundreds more for these victims. And SEFQ stepped up and gave a $5,000 matching donation, and that fund has now been closed out, and we're in the process of distributing that. Well, Mayor Sheehan, we're just out of time. I thank you very much for joining us. If you have a question or comment for the program, ask Kathy with a K at albanyny.gov. I'm Bob Cudmore. This is Talk of the town on Magic 590 AM and also available on 100. 590 on your radio. AlbanyMagic.com on your digital devices. And now available on 100.5 FM. W-R-O.